chapter 2, if you will. James chapter 2. We're going to talk about beyond belief. Beyond belief. We've kind of been, uh, you could say, in the last several weeks, kind of in a tangent or a theme or a focus on faith. Faith. Talking about faith. I don't believe that we can talk about faith enough. In fact, many uh, people call living the Christian life or living the kingdom life the Christian faith or the faith that you have chosen to partake of. And I want us to recognize, uh, you know, as we're diving into this, all the facets of faith. I want us to, to understand complete faith, not just partial faith, or as we'll learn here today, incomplete faith, incomplete or unfinished or Uh, there's a part that's missing. And here in James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? This is interesting. Because, I mean, you know, I think at the end of the day, all of us would like to say, in conclusion, I have faith. Right? Isn't that what Jesus told his disciples in Mark chapter 11, verse 22? Have faith. Faith, possess it, take part in it, is what he's saying. But we've got to fully recognize what faith is because many of us would just simply define faith, and you may have even heard a definition of faith as what you believe. Faith is simply what you believe. Maybe some of you have heard a definition faith is believing in what you cannot see, meaning that. If you have it in the natural or if you own it or are partaking of it now, it doesn't require faith. It doesn't require faith for me to say, uh, I wish Myrna was at church today because she's sitting right here in front of me. I can see her. I can, I'm partaking. There's no faith required. She's here. Right there. But now when we start talking about faith, we start talking about believing in something that you cannot see, such as having faith in God, a God that no man has ever laid eyes on, no man has ever seen him, but we know him, right? And we know him to be real. We know him to be more real than what we do see. This is what we've learned about faith. But now he says, what does it profit? What does it benefit? What does it gain? My brethren, he's talking to believers now. He's not talking to unbelievers. If someone says he has faith, possesses it, but he does not have or possess Works can faith save him if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them depart in peace be warmed and filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body what does it profit what does it gain thus also faith watch this by itself that means that there's got to be something that is accompanying Our faith, something that's attached to our faith, something that is connected to our faith. It does, if it does not have works, is dead. Dead. This word dead means incomplete. This is literally what the the Greek word dead here means. It means incomplete. It means inactive. And ineffective, incomplete, inactive, and ineffective, meaning it has no effect. We're not saying that it doesn't exist. 
is saying that it doesn't affect anything by its existence. God never put anything in this planet to simply exist. You know, you're not here just to exist. (laughs) That's good. That's good to know. I'm not here to simply exist. I'm not simply here to be here. Because when you get beyond existing is when you start affecting. When you get beyond merely existing in life, that's when you start affecting life. That's when you start having an effect on those things around you. That's when you start changing what's around you because of what changed within you. I don't want to be on this planet and merely exist. I want to be here and I want to affect everything that I come into contact with. Everywhere you go, everything you touch, every place you go, every person you come into contact with or have a relationship with ought to be changed by your existence. Effective existence. But, but we see that just because it exists doesn't mean that it's effective. Just because it's there doesn't mean it's impacting anything around it. Just because I can, I can see it or, or you may say that you have it does not mean that it is active, working, changing, impacting, manipulating what's around it. He says it's dead. So then we clearly see, we clearly see right here. It says that it doesn't profit, it doesn't gain, it has no benefit. If it's incomplete, if it's ineffective, if it's inactive, therefore we can come to this conclusion. The goal is not merely having things, but using things. Now now that is a different level. Now we get beyond belief. Now we get beyond just saying, I believe. And now I'm using and applying and it's activated and it's being put into practice and it's being applied in my life. And I'm using what I have. Using what I have. How do we get faith? Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 states this very clearly, very plainly. So then faith comes, comes by what? Hearing and hearing what? The word of God. It's specific. Now, now it says faith comes by hearing, comma. So I, could, I can come to this conclusion right now. Whatever I'm hearing is, is building faith within me. So I'm thankful that Paul finished out the sentence. I'm thankful that Paul brought a conclusion and said, let me get specific. Because faith in God or faith in what God can do comes by hearing the word of God. But whatever you're hearing or whatever you're attaching your ear to is, is developing. You may be developing more faith in the doctor because you're hearing more about what the doctor can do. Or you may be developing more faith in the banker because you believe in what the banker can do. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you will give your ear to the word, give attention, give focus, it will build faith in what God can do. But whatever I'm hearing is developing faith. But faith comes. Well, I got to know how to get it. I got to know how to get it in me. But I'm not interested in just gaining faith. I'm not just interested in, in, in having faith. I want to use it. There's a, uh, 
a use-it-or-lose-it system when it comes to faith. Use it or lose it. My dad talks about that all the time. At the end of the year, he takes off pretty much the entire last two months of the year. Why? Because he has all this time from work. It's called use it or lose it. And he stacks it up at the end of the year. And then November and December, what are you doing? I'm golfing. What are you doing? I'm just hanging out. What are you doing? Aren't, don't you have any work to do? Well, I've got to take all this time. Because if I don't use it, I will lose it. I want faith that I use, not that I lose. I don't want to lose my faith. How do you lose your faith? Well, if faith comes by hearing, then faith grows by doing. If faith comes by hearing, faith grows by doing. Having faith and having usable faith two different things. Well, how do I know this? Because there was an instance where Jesus was walking on the water towards his disciples. They were out in the middle of a storm. And they thought they were going to die. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. The very thing that they think is going to kill them, he's overtaken and he's operating in authority over them. He's walking on the water and he walks towards them. And then uh, Peter's in the boat and he gets all bold, right? acting like he's got it all together, and he shouts out, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out there on the water. And he says, come. So Peter gets out, walks on the water. He's doing it. Only two people on the entire planet in in the existence of time that have ever walked on the water, Jesus and Peter. And I'm sure he's going to hold everyone else to that, to the day, you know, to the end. I'm the guy that walked on the water. Me and Jesus were the only ones. Walked on the water. But then it says that he began to see the waves and the storm and the thunder, hear the thunder, see the lightning, and he began to what? Sink. And Jesus pulls him up out of the water. And they get back in the boat. And Jesus does a little, I told you so. You know, it's like, Okay, everybody saw that, Jesus. You don't have to highlight this. You don't have to magnify that I just sunk when I got out of the water. You just look at the, you can just imagine the other 11 disciples. What are you doing out there? What are you doing? You're sinking. You're sinking. What are you, why'd you do that? Why'd you go out there? Right? And then Peter turns and says, at least I walked on water. But then Jesus says, oh, you of... Little faith. Little faith. Wait a minute, Jesus. You said that if I had the seed as of a mustard seed, if I had faith as a mustard seed, I could talk to mountains and cast it. So you said all I needed was a little bit. And Jesus is saying, yeah, but the goal is to develop. We don't want to stay little. You've heard me use this analogy before, that faith is like muscles. Faith is like a muscle. Everybody in this room has muscles. Every single person. In fact, we can even go into the next room over here with the little kids. We can go even into the infant walker room if we want with some six-month-olds. Miss Amelia, is she over there? She's over there. Miss Amelia, our newest member, has muscles. 
But we all have developed those lusters to greater or lesser degrees. How? By the attention we give to them. Well, faith is the same way. We all have faith. I mean, you can't even come into the kingdom if you don't have faith. You, I guess Casey's going to make sure Amelia has muscles. I don't, I don't know. Her, make sure her muscles are working okay. He's like, does she? Oh, no, let me go, let me go look. Come back and report to us, I guess. Or maybe he wants to find out how much degree of attention they've given. Amen. But we all have faith. You have to have faith to even come into the kingdom. But now faith can be developed or it can be neglected. What is acquired must be applied. And how much I apply it and how I apply it and how I use it will determine what it does for me. What I do with it determines what it will do for me. What I do in the gym determines what my muscles will do for me later on. The development and the the, the pressure and the testing that I give to my muscles in the gym will determine what I'll be able to do when I need to pull on it, when I need to use it. But see, when when we become satisfied with the acquisition of faith and having faith, then the using faith can get neglected. James chapter 1, James chapter 1 and verse 22. James 1 verse 22 in the uh, New King James says, But be doers of the word. That same word, that same word that gives us faith. Faith comes by hearing, but he says, But be doers of the word, but not hearers only. Not hearers only. So faith comes by hearing, but we shouldn't stop at hearing. Faith comes by hearing, but be doers. That means apply. In the New Living Translation, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. If you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away. And forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. Simply put, if our faith is not developing, it's decaying. I've also learned this about the gym. You don't pick up where you left off. Sad to say. You can't take a three-month sabbatical from the gym and then jump right back in where you left off. It doesn't stay that way. It's either moving forward or it's digressing or it's pulling away or it's weakening. Weakening? How, how do you become weakened in faith? Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4 and verse 19, speaking of Abraham, Romans chapter 4 and verse 19, talking about the faith of Abraham, it says, and not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? Strengthened in faith. So that tells me that I can be strengthened or weakened in my faith. And you have to be intentional about developing your faith. 
We have to be intentional about strengthening our faith. How do I strengthen my faith? How do I get myself more developed rather than decaying? And this is it, guys. Look, there's only one or the other. There's only strengthening or weakening. There's only uh, developing or decaying. Very simply put, if I'm not interested in growing, I must be interested in dying. There's no middle ground. If I'm not interested in strengthening, then I must be interested in weakening. If I'm not interested in developing, then I must be interested in decaying. Now, you may not be intentionally decaying, but that's the thing about decay is it happens unintentionally. It takes place whether I want it to or not. I mean, what, what point do we, do we in, in life stop saying that we're living and we start saying that we're just dying. We're all just approaching a date where we won't exist anymore. It's the focus. Am I working on growing? Because if I'm not working on growing, then I'm not working on living. Because anything living ought to be growing. But simply existing, merely existing, only provides decay and destruction does not provide development growth development strengthening you don't grow automatically oh look at me my my face is just so much fun where did these muscles come from what what no it's intentional there's intention behind it there's a motivation behind it there's there's a thought process that says i want to get bigger i want to get stronger i want to be strengthened, not weakened. I want to develop, not decay. I want to grow, not die. You have to, you have to give intention to it and work it. Back over in James chapter 1 at the beginning of the chapter, James chapter 1 verse 2. James chapter 1 and verse 2. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. He says fall into. That means it doesn't matter how you got there. doesn't matter how the trial showed up. Count it all joy. You know, most of us like to count it all joy when we get out of a trial. And he says count it joy when you get into a trial. Why? Because how you go in might determine how you come out. I'd rather already be proactive in my joy and be proactive in my praise and be proactive in my rejoicing. And when I'm going in, he's getting the glory whether or not I'm out of it or not. Because it's his glory that's going to pull me out. But he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience. Now let patience have its perfect work, work, that you may be perfect and complete. Well, that sounds better than being incomplete. Complete, whole, effective, not missing anything. He says you'll be complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But, but. Let him ask, how? In faith, 
that means I can ask out of faith. Just because you're asking doesn't mean you're in faith. Just because you're making the petition or the request doesn't mean that you have the belief system or the actions applied with what you believe. See, faith has to have accompanying action. Has to be accompanied. I love the story of the the four men that lowered their friend, the paralyzed man, through the roof. They tore the roof open. They tore the roof open and lowered him to Jesus. And, Jesus. and the Bible says this, and when Jesus saw their faith, was your faith visible? Can people see it? They didn't say anything, but there was accompanying action. We believe so much. We believe so much that you can heal this man and we can't get to you, so we're willing to take the roof off to try to get him to you. That's called faith. I might call that vandalism <laughs> or destruction. What are you doing to my house right now? But Jesus said, no, that's not, that's faith. That's faith. I hope you have the faith to put it back together. I hope you have the faith to pay the bill. But he said, that's, that's faith. I see it. It's visible. I see it being applied. I, I see it being lived out. I, I see the accompanying action. I love, we talked about uh, last week, Jairus, and then the woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood, it says there in Mark chapter 5, and when she heard about Jesus, so there was hearing that had to precede doing. You've got to hear first. You can't do what you don't know. Hearing is so important. But some of us can get so stocked up on hearing. You know what happens when you, when you take a lot in, but then you don't do anything with it? We become lethargic and we become apathetic rather than effective. Oh, we know a lot. Maybe you've been there, maybe you've been there before. You know, I've... I've Share things with faith people. People that I know are, are faith people, man. They, they call themselves faith people all day long. And they listen to faith preachers. And they know the scripture and they can quote it. And they can tell you when you need to be in faith. And, oh, you just need to believe God. And then you bring something to them that, that's a faith project. It's a faith move. Like, I'm coming to you believing that you'll come alongside me. And then they want to talk you out of it. Well, you know, I, I don't know. That, that's a pretty big deal, Pastor Mark. I know, I need faith. But you have it, but you, you haven't used it. You haven't used it. I want to get around people that have used their faith. I want to get around the people that have fallen into various trials. I want to get around those people because then they've got the stories to build my faith up. Man, we got in this big old mess, but let me tell you how we got out. Good, keep talking to me. Keep telling me about that. Keep telling me about what God did for you. Keep talking to me about how you acquired that. Quit telling me how you got healed of that deal. Keep telling me how you saw this happen in your life. That's, that's stirring my faith up. That's building my faith. I'm just getting up under. Because sometimes when you're in the gym, you need a spotter. You need someone that can help you push through it. I'm tell you right now, the greater the resistance, the greater the development. The greater the resistance, the greater the development. 
the more I have to push, the more faith I have to use. And the more faith you use, the more faith you build. See, I could go right now, I could go over to the YMCA and get up under a, a, a bench and, 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 and throw, you know, 185 on there. And I could rep that out three times uh, 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 in three, or, you know, three sets of ten, no problem. And I'm using my muscles, I'm using what I have in the tank. But if I ever want to get beyond that, if I ever want to grow beyond that threshold, if I ever want to exceed the plateau, I'm going to have to get somebody else involved. I'm going to have to ask Matt to say, hey, when I start getting tired, I need you there. See, some of us, we get up under weight in faith, spiritually speaking, that will kill us if we don't have somebody around us following. It's, it's destroying your confidence. It's destroying your, your because you, you believe you're a faith person. You believe, I've got this. I can, I can believe God, but it, it's too much weight for you, and you're trying to do it alone. If you ever want to grow beyond, you better be able to incorporate somebody else. You need a spotter. You need a spotter. You need someone that says, I got this. I got you all the way. Sometimes it's just their presence that helps you push. I don't know how many times I've done that. I'll tell a guy, because I, I have no problem. I, you know, I, I broke past that, you know, embarrassment phase of, you know, you need a spotter. I learned very quickly that the reason those guys are that big is because they had someone spot them at one time. That's the only reason. That, and now they can spot me. <laughs> and then I'll get big, and then I'll spot, and I've had people spot me. It's like, yeah. And then I've had people ask me to spot them. And you know, you stick your chest out. It's like, yeah, I got this, man. Yep. And I mean, it's a lot of weight. It's like, I don't know how big you think I am or how strong you think I am. But, but sometimes they know they just need a little bit. I'll get it the rest of the way. Many times it's just presence. They never even touch the bar. And if they weren't standing there, it would have crushed them. But this is what people do that want to go beyond. This is what they don't resist the resistance. They welcome it. Embrace the challenge. Trust the process. Welcome opposition. Welcome it. Bring it on. Because unless I throw more weight, I won't get more faith. He says it's the testing of your faith. We've said this before. Tests are not designed to keep you somewhere. Tests are designed to get you somewhere. We just celebrate a bunch of graduations. We may have had some ninth graders celebrating getting to tenth grade. And we may have had some, some, some middle schoolers celebrating getting to high school. And we may have had some, some, you know, the other day we were at Camden's graduation at Camden's or not Camden's graduation, but at his school, they only go to the fifth grade. And so they get to graduate. They put on the cap and gown and do the whole bit because uh, at Crossroads, fifth grade is it. So they do this big graduation thing. And, and so, you know, they, they, they come down the aisle and they, they do the little, what is it, um, the little pomp and circumstance song, you know, the song that never ends, and it just goes on and on and on. And, 
and, and they're all lining up, and then they call their names, and then they come down, and they get their little diploma, and they, they give the teacher a hug, and then some of them started crying. Well, while the, while the kids were walking down the aisle, Camden, you know, he's going into the first grade. He said, I, wa- I want to be in fifth grade. I want to graduate. I said, no, you don't. I said, you, you, got, you got time for that, man. You got five years. You don't even need to be concerned with that. It's like, no, no, I want, I want a cap and gown, and, and, and I, want, I want to walk down the aisle. And, and it's like, you know, it's all, it's all fun and games. And then they started crying. You know, the kids started crying uh, when they were hugging their teacher. You know, because some of these kids have been there since preschool. They've been there a long time, developed relationships, and they start bawling their eyes out. I mean, some of them are just sad. And I turned to Cam and I said, see, you should. You don't want to graduate. He said, yeah, I, I don't want to graduate. I'll, I'll just go to first grade. Good, good choice. Good choice. All those fifth graders. But you know how they got to sixth grade? You know how middle school got to high school? You know how high school got to college? You know how college got to the, the degree and got to the re- They tested I dare you to go see a doctor that wasn't tested. Where'd you go to school? Ah, you know. Right. Where's your diploma? You know, most of them put it on the wall. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do you know that you have what it takes to do this? Well, I mean, I learned it. I heard it. See, we all want great faith. Do we welcome the tests that prove the great faith? You know what that you know that word prove means? Test. Romans chapter twelve. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. That word prove means to test. How do I prove the faith that I have? I must be tested. You want the faith of Abraham, but are you willing to go through a test with Abraham? You want the faith of David, but are you willing to stand before a giant that's defying the armies and not one military person on your side is willing to to take him on and you have no military background or experience? You want the faith of Jesus. You want the faith of Paul. You want the faith of Peter. You want the faith of Gideon. Were you willing to go battle 120,000, an army of 120,000 with 300 men? That they were all scared to get in this thing in the first place. Come on. There's a testing. There's a testing. But the test isn't designed to weaken you. It's designed to strengthen you. We've got to be intentional about developing our faith. James chapter 1, reading in the New Living. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, look at this, consider it an opportunity. See, we started last week, the title of our last week's message was what? Proactive perspective. Everything starts with how you see it. Everything. Everything starts with your perspective. 
Everything is channeled through your perspective. If you can't see it correctly, if you miss what God is trying to do in the midst of that test, you'll reject it rather than welcome it. And the very thing that was designed to strengthen will weaken you. It's that Abraham didn't become weakened in his faith by what? Looking at the deadness of his body and the deadness of Sarah's womb, being a hundred years old. The fact that she couldn't have children at any point in her life, and now here at 90, she's supposed to produce a child. What's that say? That says that the opportunity to weaken his faith was there. But instead, his faith was strengthened. Why? Because of his focus. Because of his perspective. Because he saw this as an opportunity for God to prove himself strong. When those 12 spies went in and spied out the promised land, when they came out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness, and there's 12 spies and they all go in, they all saw the same promised land. They all saw the same blessing and burden. What happens when you see the burden of God's blessing? You see the promise. You've laid your eyes on what God has declared and what God has promised you and what God has said. This belongs to you. This is yours. This is your land. And you go in and you see the blessing. And you see the burden. And ten of them focus on the burden while two focus on the blessing. And it dictated the next 40 years. Until God had to wait until all those with the incorrect perspective had to die off. They didn't develop. They decayed. And he had to raise up a whole new generation that didn't know what Egypt meant. It says that only those that were 20 and under were allowed to go into the promised land besides Joshua and Caleb. Why? Perspective. He could bring them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. They had a mentality, and they had a perspective of slavery. They had a perspective of bondage. They had a perspective of too much. They had a perspective of too hard. They had a perspective of being tested, and the test was weakening rather than strengthening. They had a perspective that says this is here to destroy us rather than develop us. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 we are well able to overcome it. This is our land. This belongs to us. But they were outnumbered by those that were weakened in faith rather than strengthened. Why? Because of what they looked at. Joshua and Caleb didn't ignore it. They didn't say, what enemy? I didn't didn't see an enemy. What Philistine? What Amalekite? I don't know what you're talking about. What city? What walls? No, they said, yeah, they're there. Yeah, giant, we saw them. Enemy, north, south, east, and west, surrounding. We know where they're all at. And where Joshua and Caleb saw strategy. See, God is showing you what it looks like beforehand so you can determine how to take it. When God sent them in there. You realize that. God spoke to Moses and said, raise up 12 spies to go in and spy out the land. Spy out the land, meaning 
They don't need to know you're there. He's not telling them to overtake it now. He's telling them to formulate a plan on how you're going to take it. Go in and get the strategy. Man, that's stuff. How I see it. How I see it. A whole nation missed out on what God wanted for them because they couldn't see where God saw it. It all starts with perspective. And then comes application. Then comes, how do we do this? How do we apply this? And yeah, there's resistance. Yes, there's, there's opposition. In fact, if there's not opposition and there's not resistance, and there is no hindrance to what you're trying to possess, it might not be big enough. It might not be big enough. If it's big enough for you, but not big enough for God, then it might not be big enough. Big faith comes with big tests. Big faith. Faith comes by hearing. But I don't want to just have faith. I want to use faith. I don't want to just have and possess it. I don't want faith to exist. I want my faith to be effective. I want it to change things. I want it to impact everything around me. When I apply my faith, people will know. I'm applying my faith. I'm pressing through in the midst of the crowd. I'm in situations I don't even belong in. I'm in rooms I should have no business in. I'm talking about things that I have no business uttering. I'm going after things that people, everyone, the doctor said, the banker said, the people said, the relationship said, the past said, the history said. It said, you don't belong here. You shouldn't have this. You shouldn't go for that. It's too much for you. But God said, I am with you. I am for you. It might be too big for you, but it's not too big for me. Great are you, Lord. That's the faith. That's the faith. I heard a pastor said, he said one time, I would rather make mistakes in bold, audacious faith than to not step out at all. Beyond belief. Faith has become, it's beyond what I say. We've done real good in church in raising up people that can talk. We've done a good job there. We've done real well. But can we walk? And I can just imagine Peter getting beyond the boat. I can just see him step out on the water. And his foot doesn't go through. And he brings the other leg up. But he's still holding on. Still holding on. They get a little further out. When we get beyond ourselves, beyond our own strength, beyond 
See, when we get beyond belief, that's when we get beyond anything we can do. True faith, real faith is action that is beyond what you can do. Are we believing in things that we can't do? See, when I've got a spotter, I, I get up under weight that I know I can't do. I know. I know I can't do it. I know that. I know that I just racked weight on here that I have never physically proven I could handle. And that's a scary situation. If you're by yourself. Man, when you get up under that weight, see him up there and he said you need to lift he said no how many you doing I'm going to go for five I know I'm going to fail on three I know that I'm going to need help on the last two and he knows don't touch that bar until it starts coming back toward you right you hit that and it sticks they call it a sticking point some of us have hit sticking points, sticking points spiritually. We've grown our faith. We've developed our faith. But God has never designed us to plateau in our faith. There was a day you had to believe for 10. There was a day you had to believe for 100. There was a day you had to believe for 10,000. There was a day you had to believe for a million. There's a day you had to believe for 135. And then there was a day you had to believe for 185. There was a day you had to believe for 205. There was a and we just keep growing and progressing and developing. Why? Because the only alternative is decay. I want to strengthen because the only alternative is to become weaker. I don't ever want to reach the extent of my existence. I want to be effective. I want to be effective. Continue. I love what Joshua said. Every battle he went into in that promised land over in, in, in Joshua, he would go to the Lord and he'd say, Lord, if we lose this battle, it's not my name being run through the mud. It's yours. They know I can't do it. They know I can't do it. All these nations, they know Israel can't do it. But they've heard about you. They heard about the God that brought them through the Red Sea on dry land. They heard about the God that brought water out of the mouth of a rock. They've heard about the God that had the cloud that went before them by day and the fire by night. They've heard about the God that they brought the manna on the ground. They've heard about the God that brought dinner every night by birds. They've heard about you. They heard about every single one of those plagues when the Nile was turned to blood and when the boils showed up and then when you took every firstborn in the name. They heard about the God that moved upon Pharaoh's heart and said, let my people go. And he said, take them. Get out of here. Is his name on the line? Is his name. And because his name's on the line, he's the one that gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. That's effective faith. Not just simply existing faith. Father, we thank you. We thank you.
thank you. Your faith is at work in our lives. Your faith. Our faith in you. Our faith in your ability. Our faith in your power. We want to get beyond. Beyond belief. Beyond just talking about it. Beyond just saying, oh yeah, we have faith. We want to get beyond and we want to apply. We want to live. It's scary. It's unknown. We're, we're testing the waters. We're, we're stepping out into something that we've never seen our, our strength on our own accomplished. But we do not merely have confidence in ourselves. We place our confidence and our trust in you. Father, I thank you that you're calling us today to dream bigger, think bigger, see it bigger, get beyond, get beyond. Some of us have, have, have grown complacent even in the faith that we have. We've become satisfied. But may we be intentional about the development of our faith, the strengthening of our faith that produces patience. We want to see our faith grow. We want to see our faith increase. We want to see our faith get beyond what we believe into what you can do. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.